gonna be talking about some stuff. You gonna probably be a son in law cuss a lot. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Okay. You want me to go? I mean, because we live, but I don't hear no music. Right, for like 35 seconds. My head is It's fine. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Unapologetically Black, Never Broken, Always Empowered. I am Brittany. I am joined by Rich because I am not going to read your name the way it says. Uh, it respect my pronouns, please. <laughs> And DeAndre, What's up? how are you? Um, and then we are also joined by Shaq. Welcome back. Hello. Oh, no. Hey, what's up, guys? What's good? <laughs> Look at uh, Richard's face. <laughs> <laughs> just looking, man. Um, so, yeah, let's start off with a mental health check-in. How's everyone been? Uh, I've been good. We just got a new house. So we'll be moving soon. This is North Carolina. Uh, no, here. Uh, and uh, obviously, business is still going great. Business is business. So uh, I can't complain. That's what's up. Jay, how are you? Uh, not good. <laughs> um. I don't have my camera on because I just developed a random sty on my eye. So I've been doing the, the hot press, cold press for a couple hours now. Oh, I'm sorry. That's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. My sister had one once. She had to get it like surgically um, opened up. So I hope everything gets better um, and that you feel better soon because that was random. Hey. For me, today is actually my little sister's birthday. So happy birthday to Daniel. Oh, that's great. She shares yeah. her birthday with my late cousin um, who passed away in 2016. Today is his birthday, too. Geminis are awesome. So I'm sorry to hear that, though. Um, so, yeah, happy birthday to her. Other than that, I was celebrating my birthday this weekend, which was fun. We did a rainbow picnic. Um, so everybody was assigned a color and we all brought different items. It was fun. So that was a lot of fun. And um, other than that, this week from a podcast perspective, we posted our calendar up. We are trying to push out more content. So if you have seen the calendar, you'll see there's a couple extra bonus days that we have this month. So when you get a chance, check it out. If there's any episodes you guys want to be on, let us know. Um, we did have some issues because we had some some racist white people, <laughs> the clear people of the world, report our um, our post. So it was gone. It was out for a couple a couple days, but it's back up now. So check that out. And that's about it. Um, Shaq, how have you been? What you been up to? I've been great. Um, started my new job. Slipped. Started my new job and everything, you know. I've been mostly relaxing, you know. School is over. Had a great semester. You know, life is good. Life is good. Congratulations. My bad. I switched to my laptop. You're good. You're back to captain. 
Oh, don't worry. I'm going to change it. <laughs> Captain Rich. Oh, my God. Right. Don't worry. Oh, I can't take him anywhere. You're lucky. I would have to leave it and then come back as Lord Rich. And that's too much. So Here Not actually. Are. Not at all. Don't worry about it. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So today's episode is about protecting black men. Um, and it's actually the first or June is men's health month. I found that out today. So it actually fits perfectly with the idea of protecting black men, um, in one aspect, as far as like mental health goes. So happy men's health month, gentlemen. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's get it started. I guess my first question would be essentially the first question Rich asked when we talked about protecting black women, which is, do black men need to be protected and from what? You got to check, you know, or you want me to go first? I don't care who goes first. Good brother. <laughs> oh, uh, my, answer, my answer is absolutely. Hell yes, we must be protected. And... <laughs> Uh, from a lot of things, uh, to be quite honest, um, the way society looks at black males in general um, as, you know, always being threats or, you know, these big angry people that are always trying to either get over a scam or they don't take care of their family or they ain't shit, you know, the whole type of deal. Um, not to mention, like Jamal said, you know, from the police, we need to be protected from them um, and just an overall presence Black men should be protected um, on all ends of the spectrum. Um, I believe black men are probably one of the most, like, like picked at and, like, analyzed person. Like, oh, you need to have this. You need to have that. Or you don't have this, well, you can't do this. Oh, you don't have this, you can't do that. All right, now now you need to have a this, this. You need to have a degree. You need to have, make six figures plus. You need to... Be well spoken. You can't have any type of, you know, friends like this. Oh, you came from this hood? Nah, you can't do this. All of that. Most keeps with. getting moved. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Every time we meet a standard, they move it higher. You know, it's just because we're great men, we keep meeting those standards. You know, so that's that's my answer, brother DeAndre. Um. That's actually most of what I needed to say. Society and police being the main ones. Sorry, this guy is really, really freaking bothering me. You're fine. Shaq, do you have a response? I do. I'm allowing you to go first, Brittany. Okay. Um, So I would agree that black men need to be protected. And from all of the things that Rich said, I would also say that... um, taking it back to the toxic masculinity um, and just society in general, but the the standard of being a man, um, I feel like black men, men in general, but black men feel that harder that, um, you know, you can't show emotions. You can't be a human being. Um, stress can't stress you out. You have to carry everything on your back. So I do think that like that standard of 
what it takes to be a man, especially in the black community, and what people view as being a man in the black community is something that men also need to be protected from. They need to know that it is okay to be human. It is okay to have feelings. You can cry, but within a safe space um, so that you don't feel like it will come back to you or you'll be ridiculed or whatever the case may be, but um, just because that is the standard. So that would be my addition to all the other things that black men need to be protected from. To add on to that, we um, definitely, like you said, need to have a safe space to be able to open up in general, not just cry, but like actually be vulnerable. Because we are very, very secure about our vulnerabilities. I agree. I think for me, like as a mother of two black boys who will eventually be black men, like I want to raise them to be the best man they can be. And like we can circle back to this and let Shaq answer. But like, you know, a lot of times women raise their their sons, especially single moms, raise their sons to be like what they would want their husband to be. Right. And not just the best version of them to send them out into the world. Um, So knowing that and just kind of teaching Julian and Ryan to be, you know, to set their boundaries, to be, to be able to show and express emotion in a healthy manner, to be able to talk about what they're going through and have that type of like emotional understanding is how I'm trying to like raise them. so that when they do go out into the world, they're not, because a lot of times you find when you meet a man, they they don't want to put that guard down, obviously, understandable, right? Um, but they also, women complain so much about men not being emotionally intelligent or just being able to express how they're feeling, why they're feeling that. And in my household, I try to teach them at a young age that they can verbally express this and understand where it's coming mm-hmm. from. Well, one of those reasons is because emotion, especially emotion on a on a male, is looked at as being weak. And so what most men don't want to be looked at is is weak. So you know, you know, what do you say about men that show emotion? You call them sensitive, you know, and stuff like that. And men don't want to be labeled as sensitive or weak or anything like that. So a lot of us um from a young age, you know, we grow up with the Stop crying like a little girl, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, stop acting like a little girl, you know, be a man, you know, stop whining, stuff like that. So when we as we get older, we're able to suppress those feelings that that would have. I would say some suppress it and then some learn to just move on and not let it bother me. So, like, I'm I'm the latter. Like, I just say, you know what? That doesn't bother me as much anymore. Like, it's whatever. But then, you know, you have, a, you have I take those issues with stuff where I'm like, well, I should care about certain things. I don't. I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, you're upset. You want to go whine? Fine. By all means, go in the room, go whine. But, you know, then some women are like, well, why didn't you come in behind me and like see what was wrong and stuff like that? And I'm like, well, because I don't care enough. Like, if you had an issue, you would say something like, but that's me. And then they suppress it and they just don't deal with it at all. You know, so but that's what society believing that emotions on men is weak. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I agree with that. And that's why I'm, I, I'm trying to raise my child 
you know what I mean, to not have that belief, regardless of what society says, because it starts in the household. So that's mm-hmm. all. Absolutely. For you, Shaq, do um, black men need to be protected? Yeah, I think we do need to be protected, but more than that, we also need to be protected from ourselves as a group because we are our biggest, we are our own biggest enemy. In certain situations, there's so, it's so much things that we as black men put onto our younger generation and that affects them over time and it doesn't help them and it hinders them, but we don't take accountability for that. Give an example. Um, hmm. The biggest example is um, the glorification of drug dealers in our community. Ah, I would slightly disagree because I don't see anybody glorifying drug dealers, like become a drug dealer, but more in the sense of this is what we had to do to make it from where we are to get to somewhere better. You see oh, what no, I'm saying? Like, like no one was, no one, only a certain few, I can't say no one, a certain few were happy about being the biggest drug dealer in their thing, but like no one was like, yeah, I'm going to grow up and when I grow up, I'm going to become a drug dealer. Like that's what I want to do. Like, you know, that's how I'm going to live my life as, as, as serving rocks and, and make sure I get as much money doing drugs as possible. Where most of them find themselves in that situation where they're like, you know what, I got to do what I got to do and I'm just going to be the best at it while I can. Yeah, and then you know, it, I feel like um, people don't really talk about that 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 as much because there's a lot of people that like when they saw how much money people are making from drugs stuff like that they turn to that life they they idolize those drug dealers like even in like even in pop culture and our music we idolize them niggas like look at Rick look at Rick Ross the mm-hmm. rapper. That's not that man named himself after one of the biggest drug dealers in our community, and look if you if you go through it, like from there's a whole genre in our music about drug dealing, and about there's a whole subsection of called drugs, um, co- cocaine rap, niggas like push uh people like Pusha T, Jay Z. It's countless yeah. other people that fits in that category, and we—that's—that's that's for the money that you make from selling drugs, not selling drugs itself. Like I'm not glorifying. Like if I could find a way to make that same money without selling drugs, they course. would, but they couldn't. So drugs was the uh, only way. A lot, a lot of a lot of them, a lot of them could have made money differently, but they still stuck in that lifestyle because that's all they know. Because of the glorification and the way that. People made that lifestyle look like, bro. I know when I know when you was growing up. You know, you knew you knew that one bro on the block that had that nice car. You see him pull up. You see you see the women. You see the you see the, uh, the other men around them. Like you knew who he was. Everybody had that in their head at one point, and that person is what a lot of people ask, aspire to be. And that's why I think black men need to save ourselves for save each other from ourselves because we're really the things that we glorify the things that we push is really hurting us i mean yeah i i agree with that i do feel like 
within the black community, there's so many different kind of double standards and um, like you said, glorified, because I guess the female equivalent would be like strippers, right? You have Cardi B, you have other people who started in that lifestyle, talk about that lifestyle, and it's not necessarily, oh, I want to go be a stripper, but... They no, Cardi B home. specifically said go be a stripper. I mean, yeah, but I'm saying in general, like, <laughs> yeah, she said that, but... <laughs> In yeah, general, it's not like every woman aspires to be that, but everybody do, wants to be, or every little girl, I should say, but everybody wants to bring in stacks oh, like, yeah. every night. <laughs> like, that would be nice. So I, I get it. I do think that we kind of glorify the wrong way of getting to where we want to be. But... Right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I guess my next question would be who who should be protecting black men, right? And I say that in the sense of we talked about protecting black women and we talked about how black men constantly belittle the black woman and then we are expected to step in and protect you, right? Like we had that conversation before. So, I mean... How does that change? Why why should we be the ones to constantly put our lives on the line for you? Uh, I think that's, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's one of those things where it goes both ways. You know, uh, black men put their, li- put their lives on the line to provide for their family. You know, they go out and the issue is, is they deal with the world. They got to go out and they're dealing with the world. We got to deal with you know, those who don't like us because of our skin color, they don't like us because of whatever negative connotation that came with it, you know, and we got to deal with that all day long. And then to come home and still have to deal and fight you, our spouse, with things inside the house, it's like we're fighting two wars. So at some point, you know, I would say, depending on whatever it is, as, as a woman, I would say, pick your battles, like pick what's worth arguing about pick what's worth bothering him about you know what i'm saying if it's not worth it then be the peace that he needs because he's not getting any peace out there out there is a full-time fight you know what i'm saying because Mm -hmm. the the next guy that comes in that's white that has the same credentials is going to replace him at his job and now now he has to worry about who's paying the rent you know who who's gonna make sure that the kids get food who's gonna make sure that they get you know, close. Who's going to make sure that you are taken care of? Because I need you at home to take care of the kid. So who's going to make sure that all that stuff is functioning and rotating? Well, that's the black man. Like, we I heard, uh, you know, somebody said, we're the head, but then somebody said, like, the women are the neck. Well, I mean, without the brain, and without the ability to do stuff, the rest of the body is useless. You know? So, I would say the person that needs to protect them is is the black woman at home protect and be the be a separate piece at home than what he already has to face out in the world i agree i like that answer <laughs> did anyone else have an answer to that cuz it kind of segues into something else um, I think that black men should be protecting black men. I feel like we need to create more spaces 
like um Rich said earlier, we need to create more safe spaces that we can be ourselves. But also within those spaces, we have to create more black, black friendly spaces. Um, at the college I used to go to, um, Kingsborough in in New York, um, there was a, a shout out, shout out to Kingsborough as well because not not the entire staff, but specifically the staff that worked in the men's center. There was a a center in Kingsborough called the men's center where, um black men came together and you know they they had they had um an entire room entire space dedicated to black men and black to men success and they showed us that hey you know you don't there's different routes you know they they mentored they did community outreaches and they really helped a lot of people and um they tutored they offered tutoring you know it was just a it was just a safe area we need more spaces like that where black men could be black men and they could learn discipline, integrity, and those things that help them to help us push ourselves further in life. And for the people that were wondering, yes, there was also a women's center. But they didn't but people didn't go to the women's center. But how do we do that with, with black men being so different from one another? It's perfect example. Black men from New York are not the same as black men from 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 Texas, right? To be honest, a lot of y'all got attitudes that what we would consider to be an attitude, right? So if I'm walking down the street, right, and I'm just observing my area, I'm just looking to see who's around me. You a cop of attitude, hey yo, why are you staring at me? <laughs> God, that's that's exaggerated, bro. And that no, nah, bro. I it's honestly, it's not. It's exaggerated. Being from Michigan and coming to DC, I was like, you guys are like I've, aggressive. I've, I've been in New York. Yeah, I've, been in, I've been in DC. I've been in New York. I've been in DC. Been to, uh, you think New York? Richmond, Virginia. DC. I've been to Baltimore. Yeah. Been to, no, yeah, aggressive. Y'all are y'all have a different. Uh, you have a more aggressive take on life. Way more aggressive take on life than hey, men from the South. Hey, Amen. So like, how do how do we bond those two? Because where I'm like, hey, look, you know, this is what we need to do, blah, blah, blah. Let's go do this. Y'all like, nah, B, let's not do that, son. We're going to go do this over here. Hey, man, I just want to say, if you're having a conversation about betterment of black men, and you are niggas always going to be like, yeah, bro, I'm down. Yeah, yeah, B, I'm down. You feel me? I'm always going to be I down. Because I think it's about finding that, yeah, that common Healthy middle interest. Ground. We all know we all know what the common middle ground is with men. We all know how to start a good conversation with a man. We all know. We just talk about a woman. That that's funny. I but I do agree because I feel like at the end of the day, no matter where you're from, you're still a black man. And when you go out into the world, you're still dealing with the same shit, whether it's in Texas or New York. So it's about finding that middle ground, finding that common denominator um, that surpasses you know, the culture of where you were raised up. Because that's all it is. It's where you were raised. Because if you were born in New York, you'd be just as aggressive as that nigga. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. at the end of the day... But even y'all about... think y'all are aggressive with one another. Nah, you know, you look, yo, if, if a nigga look at me funny while I'm walking, I gotta ask him, yo, you good, bro? <laughs> yeah, Jamal said not all skin folk is kin folk, which, I mean, it's true, but that's true. 
in general, that's just a rule of thumb going into any situation, but that doesn't mean you can't create a community of people from other places. Um, Kendall had also stated that we need more solidarity among black men. We shouldn't let men of other races play us against each other. That's a fact. That is such a fact. Yeah, we we shouldn't allow it. Um, But I mean, that comes from, you're talking generations of insecurity, generation of trying to catch up to, you know, be like the next person. Uh, A quote I heard was, if you want to be like a white man, get a white woman. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the the closest you can get to being a white man, right? But that's because in this in the world that we live in, the white man is praised for everything, no matter what he does. There's always an excuse or a reason why he is the way that he is. You know what I'm saying? Two two people can commit the same crime, but when a black person commits it, his picture is going to be his jail photo. When the white man commits it, his picture is going to be whatever high school picture he took or whatever friendly. That is mama sent in. That is mama sent in, right? (laughs) And then we're going to stop and take him to Burger King on the way. But that's if, assuming that the black man even makes it out of that situation a lot. But his picture is going to be the uh, mugshot. If they don't have a mugshot or record, they'll try and spin the story into how he was the aggressor. Absolutely. Are they going to tell you about his background and how sad and, and, and not sad, but how bad his background was? Uh-huh. See, for the white man, his background is sad. He grew up with no father and his mom had to do everything and he was a lonely child. Nope. He grew up expectantly with no father, ran the streets, did gang stuff, did he this, was a thug, did that. Because that's his favorite a word. Thug. Yeah. You know, he did all this other stuff. Well, why couldn't he just do this instead? But they don't make those excuses for white men. Yeah. Honestly, with everything that's been happening with all of the shootings and stuff, every single time there's been one on the news and they don't show a picture, I was like, oh, so it was a white man. Gotcha. (laughs) In this day and age, if you're not more scared of a white man than a black man, you're delusional. You're a thousand percent delusional. Especially and clutching. If a white man is walking by himself, everybody should be staring at him to figure out what's going on. Especially if he's in a black neighborhood. If he anywhere. If he anywhere. Anywhere where it's not other white people. <laughs> if I was yeah. Well, white people fear most is black love. I mean, yeah, they do. That's why, you know, in the 1960s, they destroyed it. They destroyed yeah. the black household. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. I, I, want, I, want, I, want to, I want to shed a little light on that as well, you know? This is also why I say black men need to save ourselves from ourselves because we are our biggest enemy. Although the government did, you know give us that little platform to get up, give us the news that we use to destroy our community. We played a huge part in the destruction of the black household. Oh, please explain yourself. So you remember, you remember the, you remember the narrative that, um, that black women, um, the narrative that black women, hold on, let's bring it back. You remember the narrative that 
um, Captain Joel used the last time he was on the pod, that that mm-hmm. same episode. You remember when he was talking about marriages in the ninth, the marriages in the nineteen fifties, and how it steadily began to decline. Mm-hmm. So in the in the forties, no, nah, not in the forties, right? They introduced a bill called the GI Bill, which was for black men that went that went away to war. When you came back, they basically said they were going to help you get homes, help you use your, help you save money. Long story short, it was a way to get black men to buy into a dream. They put them in 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 designated areas that we know today as ghettos. They they put them there. And then the welfare system happened during that time period. I remember that we all, when we were growing up, we all were under the impression that black women were choosing the welfare system versus choosing to be married, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when you dig deeper and you actually look at the historical context of that whole era, black women were still fighting for marriages. But during that time period, black men were black men were in a weird space where we didn't where we not all not all black men clearly, but it was in a weird space where we didn't fight for marriages with these women. And as it continued, the seventies came. You know the epidemic, the crack epidemic. We took part in that, and we you know you know what you know what happened in the crack uh, epidemic. But that's kind of like saying the woman who who was raped and gets addicted to sex, it's her fault that she's addicted to sex. No, no, no. I'm not, not, that's not the same. Like, you can't place crack in the hood. Give people, The only way people can make money is through that. Get them hooked that on that and the then only, say you play the part. That, that wasn't the only way that people could make money. And even if you talk about... It is when you shut down factories. They shut down the steel factory, so you can't use your hands for labor. They shut those down. You don't have a high school. You, you, shut down you have a high school degree. Steel. You shut down steel factories. You lace the, the neighborhoods with cocaine, and then you tell them to fend for themselves. But then not only when you do that, you lock them up. You don't give them fair fair trial, so you lock them up for 30, 40 years. You don't see them again until the 90s, and by the time they come back in the 90s, the black women are already by themselves. Now they have to reintegrate themselves. But now what you did was you slapped them as felons. Now they can't get a job. So what's the way do I provide for my family? I go back out to sell drugs again. This is the only thing that I can do th- that will put food on the table. Because I can't or, legally get a job. Or or you could have <laughs> became a bus driver. You could have became... You couldn't become a bus driver with a felony. No, no, no. Before you got the felony, you could have became a bus driver ver- versus going on the street and doing and selling crack you could have looked for you could have looked for a career and you want ninety thousand bus drivers <laughs> that's what i was yeah. just thinking like, that's, you want how many bus bus that's just one that's just one you, that's just one you could in, you didn't have to go to the steel factories there was many other job opportunities that we could have done please tell me what job opportunities in the 1960s where they just said yeah black man come work with us it wasn't in the, the crack epidemic was in the 70s and 80s and even oh. in that Please tell me what job industry, even in the 70s and 80s, where they're like, sure, black man, come work with us. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to need you to sit up on this one, my brother. Plumbing. You had electricians. You had... That oh you had to go to God. school for. Huh? That you had to go to school for. 
you had to go to trails, trade school for. And there were black trade schools that offered free programs for black people. You had you could have went to trade school for so many jobs. There was so many options, but the options look limited because of trade the schools were popular in the 1960s and 70s. Trade schools were not popular. It was a university, a college that you went to, if you could get into it, assuming that you didn't go to an HBCU, because those are most likely the only ones that would accept you, because they weren't taking black people at University of Texas. Oh, of course not. Okay, then. So you had no choice. That's why. So you had no choice but to go to certain areas to do certain things. But that's assuming that you had the money to do so. You need the money to do these things. You also you know, they're looking for the fast power. Do those things. You could have started. They they like they could have became mechanics. They could have literally like. Came but my mechanics. family, my family's hungry today. I can't right. wait nine months. I gotta to put go dinner on the table tonight. My family's hungry today. I need I need to be able to feed them today. So what happens today? I get. I'm, I'm not again. I'm not saying that selling drugs is right, but I'm telling you that was their main. That was their main way of doing it because that's what you dropped off in the hood. So here. Go take this. Go take this cocaine. Figure out how to split it. Okay, cool. Well, you know what? What did I fit? What did he find out? Oh, I can make more money if I break down the cocaine into crack. Bet. Let me go sell rocks. I can get just as much money, if not more money, because I'm cutting my product. Boom. Cut it with baking soda. Boom. There you go. There you go. Boom. Now I got crack. That's coming in. My money's coming today. Not not two years from now when I become an electrician. Not. Three years from now, assuming that I become an electrician and someone hires me to do the job because I got to work for a company that allows me to do it. I'm not freelancing because black people ain't entrepreneurs like that in 1960s. So I'm not freelancing. So I, so a company has to hire me. And that's where and that's where black men have to take accountability. They although they gave you crack to sell, you could have said no. You could have waited those nine months. You could have worked those nine months. You could have done telling odd family jobs to go hungry months. and to tell a man to make his family go hungry. That's like legit, like what you're saying. So what you're telling me is because what you're telling me is right. A grown man with the ability to discern and see his living standards knows that he cannot bring a child into this world, but he still brings a child into this world. No way. We're talking about the living standards and mindsets of people in the 90s, bro. We're not talking about advanced technology where people know things now. We're talking about we know this now because of what we learned from them then. So it's the same. What, what are we going to do? Get on Facebook to, to mind his time? No, they didn't have to do that. They still, there was, there was countless community outreach programs from black leaders in that time period. You got to listen to what he's saying, Shaq. Not all of them were as profitable as being able to sell drugs at that time. And they were looking exactly. at that as, that's how I can put as much money into this household, as much food as possible on the table. This is how I can take care of my family the best way possible. It's not that I can go clean houses. That was their best Houses is going to pay me There weren't a, like, the and worst factor the they had on drugs was going to jail. I'm clean houses for a dollar. Rich, you're breaking up pretty bad, love. Yeah, you're lagging, Rich. Not bad. No, you're fine. I just, I wanted to stop you. You were getting very passionate. I was (laughs) like, hold on. (laughs) You bugging out. Um, What about now? You good. You good. I'm saying. I'm going to clean houses. 
Oh yeah, as you as you as you say, he was good. He went right back. Right. Exactly. That's why I laughed. My bad. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna back out. Okay. Well, while you back out, um, cookies, because I ain't even about to try to murder that. Um, what if? The uh, the person that chose to sell drugs didn't have the influence to be pushed or to become a bus driver or anything else, for that matter, um, which is basically what we were discussing. I, I mean, at the end of the day, drugs was and is the quickest way to make a lot of money and bring it back the same day. I mean, that that's still true today. <laughs> Of course, that's still so true. So it was more true in the '60s when there were less options. It's more. It's true. It was true. In, it was true in that time period. It's true today, and you know what else is true? That's true today, and what's true in that time period? That money that you made from drugs, you still did not get to keep it. So your family still, after doing all of, after selling that, selling that crack, doing whatever you had to do. Your family still lost out. Not only did they lose their provider, they lost they lost that money because that money is not being kept. So even if even if you want to say, "Hey, you get that money now," you don't keep that money. That money is just instant gratification, and that's still having to take accountability for choosing to do that when you didn't have to choose to do that. You still had options. It's not just. Yeah, not everybody has the same options. Right. Everybody still had an option and still had to take accountability for the choices they made. And I agree with you, but I also feel like you sound like somebody's grandfather in the 60s. Like, nah, that boy shouldn't have been out there in the streets. Like, yes, it is nah. very logical, but when you're in yeah. in it, like, it's you're different. doing what you gotta do. You, you diffuse your own point with stating everybody has options, but not everybody has the same options. You're acknowledging right there that some people's options are limited, so we're going to pick the best options out of our limits to provide for our families. Bingo. Drugs is our best option. We're going to pick drugs. Do we know what we're getting into dealing with that? Yes. Are we signing up and understanding? But are we, are we looking at the, the short, the short, like, outcome? Yeah, we're at the short term. Yeah, we come to terms with what we're going to deal with. We come to terms yeah. with the consequences, and we you know accept that. Yeah. But we agree with the short term because the short term is what's providing for our families now. Today. I might I might not make it to next month. I might not make it. I might lose my house by next month. So I'm not right. going to make I might not make it next month. I'm worried about the short term and right, and right now. And that's you know, how a lot of kids said, you know, do they have clothes? That's how, a, that's how a lot of men up. think today. A lot of men today think about the short term because tomorrow is not promised. Next month is not promised. And I need to figure it out now. Especially as a black man. I got to figure it out. Because while I'm waiting to figure it out, my kids are still looking at me to figure out what's going on. Hey, dad, I need shoes for basketball. Okay, I need to figure it out now. Like my, He don't need shoes for basketball three years from now. He needs shoes for basketball right now. So I need to figure it out right now. Yeah, especially with kids. Because an emergency can happen at the drop of a dime. And you have to <laughs> have yeah, the money to take the care last of that. Dollar, an emergency could kick in right there. And that's and that, same, that same fact is even truer when you get locked up and now your kids have no provider. That same money that you made that was instant gratification, 
they have no access to that anymore. You have no access to it anymore. Well, and now you were smart about it. Situation yeah. that they started. I mean, yeah, but that's one of the that's one of the risks that you take. Exactly, and you still have to, and you still have to take accountability for that risk. I mean, let's be honest here: legal or, or illegal money, it's going to be the same end goal. Like the money ain't yours at the end of the day. So if you go oh, and locked up, you ain't gonna be able to touch all of it. And you can get locked up for being locked. depending on yeah, how much money I got. It's in cash. And he still got it. That's it. No, sir. So she still she she does. It's in cash. I, I can't hear you. I can't I can't hear you. You're like you're breaking up, so I didn't understand what you were saying. That's terrible. Come on, Rich. It's my internet. They don't want me to go off on chat. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want you to be great. They don't. They don't want you to. They don't want you to go off on yourself because what you're saying is true, but what I'm also saying is true. And the more you explain your point, is the more that you're show is the more that you're enhancing my point. What? Because what it. We're not dealing with absolutes in this conversation. Both of what we're saying is true. Not everybody's, like I said, not everybody's living standards and everything was the same. Not everybody's choices were the same, but everybody still had multiple choices. And those people that who sold drugs today or sold drugs back then, they still had a great crutch to go back to, which was they could have joined the army. They could have made a living through the army. And the army takes everybody. Yeah, but not everybody's made for the army. I can tell you that much. Um, no, the army, the army didn't take everybody. And the way that the military treated black people back then, it surely wasn't no different than being at home in America. But they they didn't take not. everybody un, unless they're in a war. They still, was more make, they still were making more money. No, not even. You made pennies to a dollar. You didn't make anything. You made pennies military. to a dollar back in America. You you would have still been able which to survive, worse, which means which means that I was making pennies on a dollar, definitely going to Vietnam, definitely going to get shot at, or just be at home with the opportunity to make way more, and take a a a, a risk that's different than going to a military. Well, I know you're going to screw me over. I know it's going to happen. But you would have been you would have been screwed over, but you would have still been able to provide for your family while being screwed over. The whole the end game is the end game is to provide for your family. No, not gonna lie to you. That's yeah, but cool. but being screwed over in the military means you're you're gonna die. <laughs> They're putting you on the front line so that you die. So you know you don't still provide for your family. And then find a way to not give your family the benefits that that you deserve. Right. It's 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 a dishonorable discharge or something happened and it, whatever. Yeah. They they're always finding a way to get out of that. Not you know. Then. <laughs> and, but still another option versus selling drugs. I hear you, but the fact that we have so many arguments against your legal option shows why people chose to, to do what sell they drugs, did. Of course. We're, and, we're telling you why option A was the best option, and you keep interjecting with, well, option B and C had this, that, and a third. Yeah, but it didn't beat option A. It does beat option A because there's more options than option A. Which was the whole point of the which was the whole point of the discourse? 
There's more so options options. than option A. It doesn't mean it's better than option A. That just means you have more options. Exactly. Just because I hand you a lot of options doesn't mean that that, those are the best. It just means that you pick from those which one is the best. And out of those options, the best one was that one. But that one was only an option because the government decided to say, hey, let's give them something, then hold it against them later on down the road. Yes, if, they if, knocked out our previous option A to no, give us No black man stop. went to Vietnam to go find opium. Not a single black man went to Vietnam to find opium. Of course not. But it found its way back here into our communities. Of course it did. Okay. okay. <laughs> but there's still, like I'm saying, accountability for you doing that when you had other options. The other options weren't as lucrative. That's okay. The other options... Then it's, then it's not an option. It is an option. What do you mean it's not an option? It's not an option. option. That's an ultimatum. It's not... It's not it, it, yeah, it's the difference. It's not an option if it doesn't feed my family. It's not an option. But that, what you're doing doesn't feed your family either. It's not sustainable. That's why... But when you're getting into what? it, you're not... Hold on. Hold on. I mean, you, right? you push Hold it to the wheels fall off. I have a question. I'm trying. I'm trying to. Under, I'm trying to understand this. Would you rather feed your family for ten years or one year? I can only be concerned about the one year that they're hungry. That doesn't make any sense. It does. Oh. If, it in the nineteen in the nineteen sixties, it does. If you're talking today, where we have a vast multitude of different things and different programs that help different people, then obviously feeding my family for ten years is different. But if you're talking about then, where your options are limited because of who you are. And this color of your skin that's different. The I can only because ten years, ten years from then, I don't know if I'm going to have a job. Don't know if my house because all my bills are due right now, and I know so much right now. I have three kids to feed. I have a. I need to feed them now, not ten years from now. I can't wait ten years. So my plan is to them now. Now, I'm breaking up again. <laughs> yeah, aw, throwing a fit. Well, your wife stated that in the military, since you know she can speak and you can't, um, the black man was paid ten dollars per month during World War II, and three dollars was taken out every month. They're just now paying these men what they were supposed to be paid. Um. And then Jamal had said, "Until you've been to war, you don't understand." They joined the military and came back worse, and was let. And they left the opium epidemic that ravaged through the um, Vietnam as well. Not to mention, those men were also treated even worse after coming back. They weren't seen as heroes; they were just seen as absolutely. Niggas. Well, yeah, and now they have like severe mental health issues at a time where mental health wasn't even. When they weren't even going to. It wasn't even a thing. So, I'm gonna see if moving closer to the router helps. Sorry, I gotta go into a different room to see if moving closer to the router helps. Well, as you're speaking, it's 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 clear. It's it clear. As you're speaking, yeah. it's clear. <laughs> it definitely is helping. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Kendall also said, we have to stop being so quick to label other black men as failures because they aren't as successful as us. Okay, now that's a, that's a different, that's a different topic and a different 
like look at it because now now subject successful is subjective right Mm -hmm. what i believe to find be success is different from many other people so it just depends but i still believe that there is a baseline to success and that you should be as a man you should have a the baseline of success and if you're living check to check that's not successful you know what i'm saying you're Mm -hmm. you're sustaining you're sustaining until you know, you're eventually able to make it or until another epidemic happens or another pandemic happens and now you're no longer sustained. That's not successful, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, do we all need four Lamborghinis, five houses? No, we don't. But there is a baseline to success. Yeah, I think I I agree, but I also think that Kendall... What it's basically saying is kind of what I was stating with the whole, like, the toxic views on masculinity is, like, you have to be this, you have to be that, um, you know, you or you're labeled a failure or you're labeled less than. I think it's the labeling part as opposed to the helping the next person get to that level. And I'm not saying every Black man has to help, but, you know, like, Shaq said, having those communities, having those safe spaces where they can go and get the training, get the whatever they need to get to that level of success. I think Mm -hmm. that's where, as a community, we need to view it like that as opposed to putting down those who aren't there yet. Right. Uh, I would say that just depends on the person that you're talking to. Some people thrive off of being, like when I was in the Marine Corps, some people talked that, some people thrived better and only listened when you were yelling at them, right? Calling them what you know, call them out their name and stuff. That's the only thing that they responded to. That's crazy. Where some people, all you could say was, hey, bro, come on, man, you got it. Like, you know, and put your arms around them. Then they responded better that way. So right. to me, it just depends on who you're talking to and the group of men that you're talking to. Some black men thrive off of competition with one another. You know what I'm saying? If we, my group of friends, we trying to figure out, you know, one of my things is, which one of us, you know, which one of us is racing to pay the bill? You know what I'm saying? Because to us, that's that's what we know we've reached a level of success where it's like we're competing to who pays the bill mm-hmm. versus the, hey, bro, you think I can borrow $20? Right. You know, I need to, can I borrow $20? I need to pay my Nintendo account, you know, that type <laughs> of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> for those that, they, for those that are watching, they know the inside joke, you know, uh, that you're like, like that, that's not to me. That's not success. If you're asking to borrow $12 to pay your Nintendo account, you, that's not it, you know? Uh, and you just need, sometimes you just need a rude awakening to where you're at in life. I'm like, hey, bro, you suck. And you suck because you're not trying. Or you suck because you're making terrible decisions versus those that you see that are trying and they just need a little help, you know? So I guess that just that just really depends on the person. I hear you. Um, okay, so you had mentioned earlier, Rich, about um, women and like essentially wives or the woman at home creating mm-hmm. a safe space for mm-hmm. their man. Um, so I actually have a list. Um, I'm in a marriage club on Facebook. So they had posted yeah. a list about how to calm your husband's mind, right? So I was going to go through this and we can uh, 
chat about each one, I think, as we go, because there's like 14. Okay. Um, so, first one being make love to him. Sex has a way of relaxing a man. You will change his mood when you make love to him, especially if you are the one who seduces him and initiates it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's an easy number one. Sex releases endorphins that, that relax you and calm you. Right. You know, so that's, that's yeah. I agree. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, number two is don't make the home a war zone. If coming home to you is coming home to get another argument and fight where you explode and turn everything into an issue, he will dread coming home and it hurts when home is a place to run away from and not to run to. Facts. Also true. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that myself. Um, yeah, not a facts. man, but <laughs> and you experience you'll, you'll experience that in men who would rather stay at work than mm-hmm. come home. Where that's my dad. Where he'd be like, that's "Oh yeah, you know, I know this deadline's not due till next week, but I'm gonna finish it today." Right. Like, why don't you? You got like a whole week and a half. Why would you do it today? Like, I don't want to go home. Or, you know, he stops at the bar on the way home. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, you know, I want to relax at the bar. Well, that's because home is not his temple, you know. Mm-hmm. You said that right as, because he said, besides the body, the home is the temple. Well, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. That's that's totally my father. Um, I, I doubt he's listening to this, but that's totally him and his <laughs> wife. Um, he's constantly working, uh, never like my dad's a workhorse. He's always been a workhorse, but I mean, when he was with my mom, he was cheating. So, however, but now it's, he's literally just choosing to be at work early and stay late. Um, he's the vice president of a Ford plant. So it's like, yeah, you work a lot of hours, but as vice president, I also know you have the freedom to walk the fuck out too. (laughs) So... Um, anywho, ask him how he is. Most women want the husband to ask them, how was your day? How did you sleep? How are you? Yet they rarely ask these, um, ask the husband these. If questions make you feel cared for, your husband also wants to feel cared for. That's depends. <laughs> that depends. Cause sometimes I don't like, I don't give a fuck how you feel. Like, how'd your day go? It was shitty. Like, is that what you want me to tell you? It was shitty. Like, no. Yeah. I mean, I don't want you to tell me it was good if it wasn't. Most of the the time, we don't give a fuck about that question. We really don't. Like, (laughs) I don't care. I'm on that one because a lot of people don't really want to hear what really happened on that day. They want to hear the sugar coated version. Is that, and you won't understand it, especially if we don't do the same field. So, like, one of the big reasons why I love my wife is because we came from the same field. So, Mm -hmm. when I come home and I talk about my day, she understands it, not from a emotional like, oh, I get it, babe. No, like she legit understands the lingo, what I'm saying. When I say this retarded motherfucker in the galley decided to put rice in the steamer with no water, she understands that. Where you'd be like, what the fuck's a galley? What? What is this? What's that? And now I got to explain all that shit. But now I'm irritated because I got to explain half my mm-hmm. fucking job. So at the end of the day, don't ask me that question. I don't give a fuck about like, don't ask me that. I don't care. My day was fine. Like, just assume my day was fine. If not, I'll tell you that my day was bad, and I'll tell you why it was bad, and then just go on from there. You know, like, ask another question. Or some men, some like myself, I hate being asked a thousand questions, especially (laughs) 
especially back to back. So when I first come home, do your best not to ask me shit. Don't ask me nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. I don't even want. I don't even want to know, baby. Do you want? Do what you want for dinner? Because now I got to think, and I'm just came from a place of thinking, and I don't want to think right now. Right now, I want to do mindless things like beat up on people in Pokemon. That's what I want to do. I, I just want to do that. And then after about an hour, my wife gives me about 30 minutes to an hour. After about an hour, now she's like, hey, you've decompressed. What do you want for dinner? Oh, okay. You know, yeah. You know, can I, you know, can I get this? Can I get that? Matter of fact, what you'll start to see is your husband will actually like, actually, how was your day? Like, you know, we don't give a fuck about my day. How was your day? I feel you. So, yeah. Don't ask me shit. That's what <laughs> my wife is watching too. Uh, okay, so number four is organize his life. A lot of men can be disorganized, especially when they're going through a lot in their life and have a lot on their mind. This chaos is in their system, dressing, schedule, or environment can lead to more unease on their mind. When you help them clear the clutter, attend to some of his needs without being asked, he will think better. Cuz, yeah. let me tell you, let me tell you how amazing my wife is. Because <laughs> half the time, I don't have to think about shit. That is the best feeling in the world. <laughs> she says, hey, we got to go somewhere. And the first thing I think of is, damn, now I got to think about what I'm going to wear. Nope. She already has it. This is what you're wearing. This is what you're doing. This is where we're going. We got to do this, 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 and this. Oh, shit. All I got to do is show up. Man, look. Where, where, you want, where you want me to go? Where, how much you want me to pay? I can pay for the whole thing if you want me to. <laughs> all I got to do is show up. I tell my wife that all the time. Here's my card. Just tell me where to be. I will be there. Tell me what I'm wearing. I'll put that on. You ain't going to hear nothing else out of me. And then, boom, smooth selling from there. It is real easy. <laughs> yeah, it's the same way with Jamal. I do all the packing for any trip we're doing. He basically opens the suitcase and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this, is what, this is what's happening. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> Outside of my shoes. I pick my own shoes. My wife don't pick my shoes. I pick my own shoes. True. Nah, sometimes yeah. I pick his shoes. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I mean, we got a collection. I got to wear certain shoes with certain outfits, and it's it's just. But that's it. Everything else, uh, we're good at. But for the most part, yeah, she makes it make it as easy as possible. The less a man has to think about stuff, the more willing he is to do stuff. That's a fact. Uh, I'm right. disagreeing, but that's just from a, a different perspective as well. I'm sorry. My wife, just, my wife is awesome. I didn't mean to send this like super antiquated smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> but I said Britney's usually are because, you know, she even spells it correctly or whatever. <laughs> oh, no. I appreciate that. Um, so don't attack his man cave. This kind of goes into what you said, but most, um, most have a man cave. This is an activity they do or a place they go to to perhaps a room, maybe to play a game, watch TV, meditate to think, write, read, create, work out, or just be. Don't attack Mm -hmm. this. Just agree with him on how he can balance the time so that he doesn't spend too many hours in his man cave. So this one isn't typically a wife issue. This is a kid's issue. My kids are the ones that are always sitting in my gaming chair or in my man cave. (laughs) It's them. And for the most part, I'm a softie for my children. So I'm like, whatever, son, just sit over there. Just don't talk to me. Just like sit over there. <laughs> uh, 
but so obviously at this point, if all if all of us are downstairs, well, my wife would naturally gravitate because that's where everyone else is. She'll gravitate down there. So I, I've learned that with having a man cave, especially if I'm the only one that has something like that, if my wife doesn't have like her own little area, that I've, yeah, I've learned to kind of like, you know what, share it. Because at the end of the day, you're the only one that has something like this. No one else in the house does. And typically, I'm the person that people want to be around anyway. So they're just going to gravitate to wherever I'm at, whether that's in a man cave, on my couch, in my room, on my bed. Everyone's going to gravitate there anyway. I think you just count that as a blessing that people want to be around you uh, mm-hmm. versus the, uh, the latter where it's like, oh, shit, dad's home. Let's go find something to do. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's nasty work. So imagine your kids don't want to be around you. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, super heavy because the the kids, so they love me, but they want to play with Jamal all day, like because mm-hmm. he's the one. I mean, he's he's dad. He's one picks him up, throws him. I'm not doing any of that, like <laughs> none of that. So I get that. <laughs> Um, okay, so number six is pray for him. You are the one who knows his potential, struggles, battles, and questions. Commit him to prayer. Let him hear you pray for him. Um, I can say in my household, we don't necessarily pray, but we do manifest together. So um, I think we that's write on learn. a vision board if that counts. Yeah, no, I mean, that's essentially the same thing. And just, you know, having your partner's best interest in mind, mm-hmm. I think, is really what it is. And and knowing their potential, knowing where they can be, and being their cheerleader. Right. Sounds like it just boils down to being encouraging as well. Absolutely. Right. For the word pray, I think, has such a deep religious context, but I feel like it's more like a, a manifestation, a just, yeah, an encouragement, a pushing towards a goal. So. Right. Um, all right. Number seven is help him out financially. A lot of men are going through stress due to finances. Help him by not putting pressure on him to give the family a lifestyle that he can't afford at present. By helping him pay some bills, by helping him manage finances better, by saving and seeking long-term investments, by stepping up, especially when he has been fired or going through a business loss. So do you want the politically correct answer or do you want the Richard answer? Of, of the Richard answer. Okay, Richard answer is no. <laughs> Tell that nigga to figure it out. All right. <laughs> so my thing is is uh, I want to whatever money my wife makes, like this is what this is what pushes me to make the decisions that I make and to do the things that I do with my business. Right? The money that my wife makes is hers. Keep it, do whatever you want to do with it, right? If you wanna take your money and go buy gifts and stuff like that for everybody on birthdays and stuff like that, that's for her to do. She should not be responsible for the mortgage, light bill, uh, car note, insurance, none of that stuff that's for her living. She shouldn't have to because, see, then to me, like, the way I look at it is like, okay, well, what what are you here for if she can do all of that? Like, if she can pay her own bills, her own rent, her own all of this, what are you you providing for her other than just a bald-headed nigga sitting in a couch? Right. Like, that's what I don't. That's that. But see, this is something me and my wife, we talk about back and forth where I'm like, hey, if you want to help or I'll tell my wife when I need help. And when I say when I need help, I mean, in the sense of like, hey, let's try not to spend so much. Mm. Not I need you to 
make money to come do this, but let's try not to spend so much on this. Or, hey, if I need you to get a job, it's so that you can have money to go do the things that you want to do. And then that way my money can go to whatever we need to get done in the house. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, if my wife wants to pay for Christmas and she's like, hey, I'll buy all the Christmas gifts. Okay, cool. You can do that with your money. But my wife should never have to be in, like, oh, do you need help paying the light bill? Because then I'm not doing my job. Right. And now she has to do her job on top of my job. And that's not fair. You know, unless I'm going to be the one washing dishes and washing clothes and make sure the kids get dressed and stuff like that. But then, you know, nah. Doesn't fit the gender roles you have assigned in your household. Not even gender roles, <laughs> it's just people roles. I I'm the you. person that does this part. She's the person that does that part. Because we've talked about me being a stay-at-home dad and her going to work. We've done that. And I, I hey, I, I don't mind it at all. I'll be a stay-at-home dad. I'll take care of everything. But the way that we are wired, it's more of a sense of, all right, now nah, I need to go to work. Like, I need to go do something. Definitely, yeah. And I think and part of that, in even in the paragraph, wasn't so much you have to pay bills, but it might be you're the better person at at, at saving or finances. So you guys sit down and you you organize that. So it doesn't have to go as far left as now you paying this bill, I'm paying that bill, we going half on rent. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it could also just be, all right, let's talk about our finances. Let me help you organize. Mm-hmm. what we're doing, where our money's going, mm-hmm. etc. Um, all right. So then it's affirm him. A man can get tired. A man can go through burnout. A man can question himself. A man can worry. A man can get discouraged, which is why it is important for you to remind him of his greatness. Celebrate his achievements and tell him how proud of you, of him you are. This motivates him. 1,000%. Yeah, it does uh, to an extent. Like, I love hearing that from my wife. She does it all the time. But I'm a person of like of action. I have to see it. So you can say how proud you are of me as much as you want. But if I don't see any results from it, then to me, then you're just doing it to just try to make me feel good. And I don't want to just be made to feel good. I want to see the results. So. That, so that's what to me where it kind of like, like, yeah, I get it. I understand. Thank you um, for saying how much you love me and how much you care and how great I am and how far we've come. Because that so means a lot. behind it, it comes off as insincere. Not insincere, but to me, un- unnes- for me personally, almost unnecessary. Because it's like, well, yeah, you know, see how far we've came? I'm like, yeah, but that's not the goal. The goal is over there. Like, and I'm not there yet. And so essentially for me as a person, there's nothing, um, until I get there, like no amount of praise is going to really help me uh, until I get there. Once I get there, now let's, you know, we can get it, you know, let's go. But if I'm not there, no amount of praise. And But I I do listen to it and I accept it. Um, But until we get there, the job's not done. Like Kobe, the job's not finished, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I feel like that's that's kind of personal to you because, you know, DeAndre hit us with the absolutely 100%. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, and I think in general, I think it's important to celebrate the little wins as well. So I hear where you're coming from. And 
She fusses at me all the time. Richard, sit back, enjoy what you've done so far. Exactly. And you know, sometimes I'm like, all right, you know, let's sit back, let's. But we can't stay here too long because you know the job's not done. But she yeah. she does she. <laughs> all right. So the next one is stay faithful to him. Nothing destabilizes a man like when he suspects or finds out that the wife he loves and has given his all to is entertaining, flirting, sleeping with, or longing to be with another man. Spare him this torture. No, so yeah, let's, that's let's obvious. saying that goes two ways, oh, but we're talking about protecting the black man. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about protecting black men. We're not talking about mm-hmm. women right now. Yeah. But that's an obvious <laughs> That's obvious on both ends. Like, obviously, right. nobody wants to be uh, unknowingly played. Knowingly is different. Unknowingly played. No one wants to do that. Yeah. Um, all right. Be easy to talk to. Most men show a tough face and don't open up to anyone because they trust no one. This is how many of them go through depression and suffer in silence. They can they long to find a confidant who they can reveal themselves and their deepest joys and pain to be that confidant. Of course. Yes, but the biggest thing that I've seen happen is that he'll open up to you but then you might, if you, the moment you use that as a weapon against him, you'll no longer get it. So the also, moment you do that, you're single. You don't know it yet, but you're single. Oh, yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> Definitely single. The moment you use something that I open up to you about against me, I'm already texting again to your replacement. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not doing that. But, <laughs> that's because you're married. <laughs> I am not listen, I am not doing that. I'm just and, going and to be I, upset. <laughs> I'm just going to be upset. That's all. And I, I mean I agree with that. I think that that's generally just toxic behavior. Like there are healthy ways to argue and there are toxic ways to argue. And I think that's just in well, for some people it takes therapy and others it's just maturity. But that's just, you know learning to argue with and get your point across. And I feel like in marriage, you you learn that because you know that this argument isn't the end and you have to work through it. So you, or you should in a healthy marriage, you know that this argument isn't going to end it. So you're like, we have to work through it. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, throwing up something in your face just to hurt you is not productive. Right. So if you're looking at, your relationship as something that is disposable, then yes, you're going to, you're going to be toxic. You're going to try to hurt that person. Um, But in a marriage or in something that you're, you're working towards marriage, communication is absolutely key. So I shouldn't be throwing anything into your face that you've ever confided in me in, or, you know, saying that's why you a bitch because you cried. Like it should never be that. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It absolutely does happen. I'm saying it should not happen and it should not happen with the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Mm-hmm. Period. Round of applause for Brittany because she is spitting facts. <laughs> Thank you. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Like, and I think that's a real telltale sign of if that relationship is a healthy one. Yes, there is the option of therapy, but I feel like you know if you want to invest the time into that. Or if it's just, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. Like, she got to (laughs) go. So, yeah. Number 11 is smile. The smile of the woman a man loves keeps him going. Your smile will inspire him and make him want to do more for you to keep it. Yeah. I I love it when my wife is smiling. 
because it means that I haven't done anything to piss her off, which means that we're typically <laughs> we're typically going to have a good day. And as long as I know we're going to have a good day, I'm good. Like, yep, let's go. And I ask all the time, like, what what do I have to do to keep you smiling? Like, whatever we got to do, let's do that, and then just keep going. Well, because I don't I don't want to see a frown. Like, like first off, that creates like I'm the type of person I don't want to create my knowingly create my own bad day. Like, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a bunch of those already. I'm not going to knowingly create it. So the longer I can keep a smile on her face, the more good days we'll have. And then the best. I know when when we're not going to have a good day because no one's talking. If no one's talking, I know we're not going to have a good day. And I'm like, okay, this is one of those days where I'm like, all right, we got to tread lightly or figure something out. But if we, like, the moment we wake up, we're talking all day long, back and forth. Smile on their face. We're going back and forth. We're having a great day. I feel you. Um, all right. Number 12 is kiss him. Kissing him shows affection. Kiss him not only on his lips, kiss his cheeks, his arms, his back as you tell him you love him. Facts, man. I love that shit. Yeah. My, so my like love language be, is physical touch. So I like to be real. I don't necessarily have to be like kissed on the head, but like if she's like, like scratching my head or whatever and I'm just like laying down watching TV, to me, that's better. Like way better. Way better. Oh hell yeah, yeah. I um, I just like I said, my physical like or my love language is physical touch, which honestly always gets like boiled down to sex. But it's everything else. And like Jamal, when I first met him, hated to be fucking touched by people. And like, but that's that's how I show like I love you. Like I just I want to be on you. I want to lay on you. <laughs> so um, now he loves it from me. I, yeah, I still do. I'm always like that. Still do hate it or still do now you know? Oh, that nigga still hates it. No, he probably does still hate it, but I'm here. This is our life now. Make <laughs> Jamal be like, get off me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next one is massage him. Home massages are the best. Invest in some good massage oils. Ask him occasionally to lie down. Give him a feel-good massage. Lie down, yep. too, so he can return the favor. Yeah, but most of the time they just boil down to sex. So that's a side thing. True. Mas- misogyny is just foreplay. None of us are masseuses. Circling We're not back to number one. Professional massages and stuff. Circle back to number one. You know what I'm here for. Nigga, <laughs> <laughs> Javon, so you be clean and give me some space. Anywho, it's okay. The podcast has to end eventually. Yep. Um, <laughs> we won't be there to save you. <laughs> and then the last one is make new memories with him. When he's spending time with you face-to-face or online, make new memories together, joke with him, tease him, play with him, have stimulating conversations with him, do something new. This will recharge him and make him miss you when you two are apart. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would more say do what you know he likes. If that's your goal, if your goal is to make him happy, do what he likes. So if you know that like watching anime is something that he loves to do, take genuine interest in the show. You know, my my wife does that. She'll later like right now we're watching Attack on Titan from the very beginning. Nerds. And if if I watch it without her, she's upset. Like like how am I supposed to? First off, Attack on Titan is one of the shows where the moment you miss an episode, you've effectively ruined the whole show because now you know no, you you know nothing that's going on. 
but she takes genuine interest in the things that I like. If I, you know, I love Jordans. So when we go out and we're looking at shoes, like she's like, yeah, I like those. And then like, she'll match, like, can we get matching pair? Stuff like that. Like she'll take genuine, if that, if your goal is to make that person happy, take genuine interest in what they like, not what you like for them to like. Yeah. And I agree with that to an extent. This is actually an ongoing like point of contention in our relationship um, is that I don't watch anime. So that exact example you just gave is like, yeah, no. But I do kind of feed it, you know, I feed into everything else. And I, part of the reason why I wanted to be married or just be in like my forever relationship, you know, originally when I met him, I wasn't to settle down was because I wanted to make memories with one person. I didn't want to have to look back at a fun trip. Like every time I think about me going to Vegas, it's with someone I no longer speak to. And it's like, that was a good time, but I was with that nigga. You know what I mean? So it's like, I wanted to like create lifelong memories in my forever plus one, my best friend, like we're, we're doing everything together essentially. So right. that, yeah. That's definitely one of my main goals for being settled down at this point. Um, if y'all knew me before, whew, my friends are still shocked I'm married out here. But <laughs> oh, wow! But but I don't understand why you can't get into anime though. That's that's not that hard. This I feel like there's a whole nother conversation. We were having this conversation this morning. I it's not that it's it's not. I respect it for what it is. And, you know, I, I stated the other day that I am a culture vulture within this community because I do not do anime, but I'm eating off what I do like. Um, you like Bad Girls I Club just, and loving hip hop Atlanta and shit. So I like Bad Girls Club. I like 90 Day Fiance. I, less ratchet, <laughs> more just general reality. Um, I just, animation as a medium, I, I just don't. I don't like it. So that's the short answer of it. I do watch sports with my husband. We will sit up and watch the game um, together. And he, we enjoy that. But um, I, just, I just cannot. After childhood, like most of the animation I like is nostalgia. Like my shirt I have on now is like 90s Nickelodeon tunes. Like that, that but that's about it. <laughs> like that's where it kind of stopped for me. So I am who I am. I try... That's all I can say about that. Mm, mm, mm. Damn. <laughs> I guess our friendship. It's okay. I mean, I have so many other redeeming qualities, guys. <laughs> and that's all being trunk by not liking anime. That's unfortunate. <laughs> so um, that list was essentially just different ways a black woman or a wife can protect black men. And I know we talked about a whole bunch of other ways. Um, well, actually more problems than ways, but the solutions are more or less obvious <laughs> in certain situations on how to, to step up. Like, you know, with George Floyd, if the whole world stood behind black men the way they stood behind that black man, then we we wouldn't be going through all the shit we'd be going through at the rate we're going through it. You know what I mean? So I think that's that's really the way it should be viewed. Mm -hmm. Overall. 
Um, let me see. Was there anything else anybody wanted to talk about that we never mentioned? I actually have one as I'm saying that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I had mentioned earlier, you know, that it starts in the in in the household, right? Protecting black boys is where it starts. And we talked about this with black girls and how they're viewed as being fast. With black boys, it is important for parents, specifically mothers, um, but parents in general to protect, like protecting them starts at childhood. You can't spank your sons and discipline your daughters differently because your children see that. I think that it is important that 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 honestly, like especially with discipline, and I do get that boys and girls are different and you have to raise them differently. You're going to have different conversations with them. But I feel like you also can't essentially beat your son, make him be your husband and do everything at a young age and put all these responsibilities on him and then expect him to be able to go out into the world and have healthy relationships with people. So I, I believe that the raising of the of the black son is for the black father. Um, not not trying to cut no mothers out, but the the majority of what a young boy will learn, or what he needs to learn, and how his upbringing should come from his father. That's that's where you'll start seeing them behave differently, and like how they express themselves um, is through the father. So like anything that comes with my boys, right? Um, they come from me. So the way that they behave is stuff that I taught them. The way that they deal with and interact with people is stuff that I taught them. And it's stuff, the way that I behave is how they behave. So they see me and how I behave towards their mom, towards my wife, towards their sister. They see that stuff. And when they see what they when they see how I do things, that's how they want to do things. Because they're most most young men want to be like their father, assuming that their father is around. But even those whose fathers weren't around, they, they always often think about, I wonder what my life would be like if my father was around, right? So what would you say to the single mother who does not have a male would, influence in their son's life? It, it would be hard because I would say she has to get find him a strong male mentor. That's what I would say. Find him a strong male mentor that can teach him the ways and things that you as a mom cannot teach him. Because at a certain age, he's going to stop listening to you. Because at a certain age, he's going to believe he's physically stronger, he's bigger, and he can just outmaneuver you. Right? So he's going to automatically believe that. And it'll start young. He might not have, it'll start at like 12. No, he, no 12 year old is probably physically stronger than you. But he's going to believe that and he's going to test that. But no 12-year-old is going to test their father. It's just it's just certain things, right? And so it's just I would say for a single mom to find a male mentor that you trust can help you teach him life lessons that he needs to learn. When it's something that you feel like, you know what, this is something that another man should teach you. Take him to him. Let him spend the summer with him. If he'll take them, they'll spend the summer with him. And over the summer, he's teaching them things that young men should learn. And so that's, to me, that's more, it's more of that. I leave a lot of stuff from my daughter to my wife. Because she's a, she's a young girl that my wife 
is teaching the groom to be a young lady. Now, I show my daughter the way men should treat her, but I'm her father. I show her how that you should have men protect you, that you know they should love you for who you are and stuff like that. But I'm not teaching her how to be a woman. And I think it should be the same with young men. A woman can't teach a man how to be a man. She can give him basic life lessons. She can teach him how to clean. She can teach him how to, you know, wipe his butt and cook and stuff like that. But but the fundamentals of being a man, the 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 when he has the urge to want to protect, when he has the urge to feel like I need to help do this because I don't want to see my mother go through this, like she can't teach him that. That's only stuff that his father can teach him. You know? And so that's that's what I learned with, from my grandfather. Hey, son, this is what men do, right? And that's just the way. But see, now that's why it, it boils back to fathers needing to be in the house. Because if if I wasn't around my granddad, then that means I don't have a male to show me how to be a man. So when I have my son, I'm only teaching him things that I had to learn on my own. Mm-hmm. And so now when he teaches his son, he teaches him from what I taught him, but it's not very much because I wasn't that experienced in knowledge and being a man, right? Or I did things the wrong way. And that's kind of what happened. The father trickled down how they raised kids to their son. And then they trickled it down to their son. They trickled it down to their son. And that's how things can get skewed and how things get messed up. Or that's the opposite. That's how you keep a generation of healthy people around, you know? So that's, for the most part, that's how I look at that. I know there was another part of that question, but I can't remember it. It's fine. Um, I've already moved up past that whole part of my phone. <laughs> yeah. So. I think that still kind of answered the question. And um, I think. What, what it, was the question again? That was, that was the question. The question was just like protecting children starting at childhood. And I think. Hmm. I think your response in general kind of rounds out everything um, and and touches on a little bit of everything. So it was perfect. No worries. You did it. You did it, Rich. (laughs) That's how it's supposed to be. Exactly. Um, All right. So I think that that kind of concludes today's conversation. Um, Next week, Deandre... Um, we will be talking about good fathers on Father's Day. Well, after Father's Day, but you know. Before, no, it's before Father's Day. Oh, yeah, Father's actually, Day. it's before. <laughs> awesome. So, if anybody's interested in being on our Father's Day episode, yeah. let us know. Um, I do want to take the time to shout out our sponsor, All in Adventures. So, thank you for um, essentially. Rich, if you want to talk a little bit about All In Adventures, because I don't want to murder anything. Oh, so um, all, we, all we are is a, an escape room, family adventure place um, where you come in and families can hang out together, um, use the strategic um, knowledge that you know of how to escape from out of a room and have fun. Um, but the reason why we chose the show to sponsor is, we, uh, is because we believe that there needs to be more... Um, platforms for for black families and black people to be able to speak on free right without the uh the judgment of other people 
um, you know, on them. So that's that's why I, I love this. I love this podcast. Oh. All right. Well, um, until next week, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay unapologetically black. Have a good night. Have a good one.